0: You are listening to The Path Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, Mountain Bike Radio listeners. Welcome to a new episode of The Path Podcast. Before this episode, there are two things that I want you to check out. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to do anything else. Go to mountainbikeradio.com slash gap. That's M-U-L-B-E-R-R-Y-G-A-P. So mountainbikeradio.com slash gap. The other one is go to shopmbr.com. I've updated a lot of uh, different designs, several different hat designs, new shirts uh, with plenty of options in terms of colors for each of those. So that's all I'm asking. Go to mountainbikeradio.com slash mulberry gap and shopmbr.com
1: very special, because if you can see, yeah. the numbers all go to 11. Look,
2: right across the board. Oh. 11, oh, 11, and most of 11. And the amps
1: you... go up to
3: 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't
1: it? It's not 10. You see, most, most blokes are going to be playing at 10. You're on 10 here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on 10 on your guitar. Where mm. can you go
0: from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Uh, Put it up to 11. 11,
3: exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These
1: go to 11. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. This is Nathan. This is Auk. And this is Tawny. Welcome to another episode of the Path Podcast. We, uh... We thought we'd throw that your way uh, today. What, what's today? August 2nd? We, uh, we saw Transition release their new downhill bike and had an excellent homage to Spinal Tap, which I will have to admit, I've never seen Spinal Tap, but Ox showed me the scene,
2: and it made it all the much better. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a pretty great shredumentary uh, from Transition anyways. Uh, and when you finally seen This is Spinal Tap and that one scene, it's even greater. It was on point. It was on point. So hey, it's good to good to have both of you guys here. Good to have all three of us together. So good to be together. It is. I love you guys. <laughs> 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 so uh, I guess for our shop news, man, we got a lot of cool bikes going on here. Um, new Hightower colors are in, so that. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the color scheme is called, but the white with the blue, right? And then there's that orange with orange. Oh yeah, we were looking at that the other day. Pretty nice. Oh man, if you put a if you put a Fox X2 with the um, super light steel spring on that. Oh nice with the little mm-hmm. splash of orange with mm-hmm. the Upon Fox Thirty Six. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so cool colors. Um, I don't know if you guys saw. I saw a post on the Facebook. uh, Tawny is selling his old Santa Cruz uh, Tallboy. That's a pretty ripping bike. Old as
3: in 2017. (laughs) Exactly. Old (laughs) X01 Eagle with like 400 miles
2: on it. Lightly ridden. (laughs) 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 We were just talking about that as well. Um, But truly lightly ridden, well-maintained. Well-maintained for sure. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So... The new colors, ridden to its intended use. (laughs) (laughs) The new colors on the Tallboy threes for 2018 are pretty dang cool. I like. I like the. um, Gosh, is it like a? Is it like it's almost a rust color? Maybe.
3: Well, it's the same color as the logos are on my current bike that I'm selling, but it's gloss instead of matte. Yeah. So I. M and M's instead of Skittles, they're saying
2: m ms instead of Skittles. Anyone want to buy a tall banana colored one just so I can get the new color? (laughs) (laughs) Just the frame. I don't need anything else because I've been doing some stuff on My Tall Boy, um, which is not part of Shop News. But anyways, we can talk about that later. I digress. But but if you you got rid of that color, you couldn't say,
1: I'm a banana.
2: That's right. That's right. I couldn't make references to the tall banana whenever (laughs) I show pictures of it on Instagram. (laughs) Anyways. Let's see. Lots of chameleons. Oh, lots of chameleons are back in stock. Yeah,
3: we ordered like a good handful of chameleons, and they sold like the second they came in, and then Santa Cruz was out of them for like three weeks, or no, like maybe two months or something. So during that time, I told our rep, you know what? I'll take one of each chameleon. So they're, color they're tumbling. Size yeah, colors, sizes. Well, there's only one color. Mm. But parts, options, and and frames. So each build, each frame, each size. Some of them are already sold. They're pil- They're coming in good now, though.
2: Awesome. So that Chameleon is a cool bike.
3: Kind of Hanzo-esque in some ways.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Multi-use as well.
3: By multi-use, I believe you mean plus and 29? Y-
2: yes. Well-
3: and Not like a multi-use. Like, you couldn't ride a horse on that bike. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and single speed, right? Yeah, you could single speed that, right? Single speed and geared. Sliding dropouts on the rear, maybe? Um... I'm going to look at it right now because
1: I I think swinging
2: really dropouts.
3: Oh, oh swinging right, dropouts. Right, 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 That sounds familiar.
2: Well, Tony's checking that out. I'll continue on with Shop News. So Rocky 2017 clearance. Oh, dang. The Slayers.
3: We all rode those and liked it. I know Nathan liked it and I liked it. I yeah. Over, over.
2: Well, I especially with something that just came in for me the other day. Thank you, Tani, and the rest of the guys at the shop. Um, I'd like to ride this back-to-back with that which just came in. So so what I
3: remember about the Slayer, the Nomad is longer reach by quite a bit. That might be the biggest difference. And it feels softer. And I, I would say that, that, especially with that coil rear shock, the suspension tune feels more DH to me.
2: Mm, good. So <clears throat> Slayer 77, 770, 750s are in stock, mediums and larges. It does look single speedable, I think. That is cool. Man, you got even more Slayers. So anyways... Going back to the Chameleon, sorry. Right, Rewinding right. from the Slayer for a second to the Chameleon, I think it is single-speedable. Back to the Slayer. Cool. Um, number of Slayers in stock at the shop. Uh, Clarence, for example, the 770 Medium is a MSRP of 5,800. It's on sale now for 4,755. So check those out. There's also a couple of Growlers... Uh, and a Reaper, ooh, the Reaper 24 as well. Also, that Slayer 730 on sale for
3: 34.43. I think you're going to be hard pressed to find like that legitimate of a park bike for
1: 34.43.
2: Agreed, very so, much agreed.
1: I would say for a 170 bike, my personal experience was that bike pedaled um, about the best for that amount of travel. I think that I've ever experienced. Did you? What's funny is I don't feel like it. You,
3: I, I don't feel like it pedals any better than the Nomad. But the new Nomad. But I do feel, and I was really impressed with the pedaling on both. I feel like we're at this point where it used to be like pedaling versus descending, and you got to just pick your point on the trade off between pedaling and descending. And I feel like now you can get a bike that pedals amazingly well and still descends like no compromise. And it's like, how do you want it to descend? Right. In other words, I didn't feel the Nomad. I didn't feel the Nomad climbed that much different than the Bronson. It was like more that it descended different. And it's not better or worse. It just depend, depends on the trail and the rider, I think. More DH like. I mean, for sure, the Bronson, my Bronson is lighter than my Nomad by probably two to and a half, three pounds. But beyond that, I didn't feel like the climbing was that much compromised between the two. True. Well. But for sure, the character on the downhill is drastically different. So I feel like they've almost beat the because uh, it used to be this kind almost mm. like a, a like a um, what a second law of thermodynamics kind of thing. <laughs> right, <laughs> like if you it can, climbs well, it can't like climb you, well and you, descend. Right, it's like you want a perpetual motion machine and a bike that climbs well and descends well. <laughs> I get it. Right. like it used right. to be that kind of thing. Like, but I feel like weight aside. Weight is still a weight, and there's still a weight factor a little bit. Right. Right. And two pounds is two pounds. But, like, for them, I feel like in a lot of ways, the trade off these days isn't so much can I get it up the hill efficiently, and it's more like what's, again, back to a common theme what speed is it going to come to life at? How hard is it going to be to, like, pick the front wheel up and move it two feet to the side in either direction to, like, make it, like, line up for a tight turn? Like, it's How flickable is it? Mm-hmm. How, much, how much am I going to have to sit? Like, like on a Bronson, I could probably manual it with a lot different timing than a Nomad because it sits into the suspension so much differently. Right, right. So I feel like the trade-offs have changed in terms of just what, um, what, what the polar opposites that we're comparing are, and it's no longer so much this climbing versus descending and more um, rider input versus stability and flickability versus not flickability. And arcing versus um slashing and cutting. You know?
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, completely. <clears throat> and this is interesting too is um so I think we're mostly done with show notes. Um shop news. Shop news. Sorry. I'm reading the show notes about right. shop news. So uh we are actually
3: we just totally fly blind
2: on these guys. There's no notes. <laughs> <laughs> um that's interesting you say that because I've been doing some making some changes to my Tall Banana 3. And I um, put a Fox DPX2 shock, rear shock on it. Uh, I was looking for a coil shock. And no, I didn't go on eBay and find an older coil shock, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder to do these days. But I did find the Fox DPX2. Um, uh, it's a piggyback shock and to, to fit on the Tallboy 3. To replace the float, um, float with the Kashima uh, coating, and then also I upgrade, I increase the travel on the front end by replacing the Fox thirty four with a Pike uh, one thirty versus a one twenty, and it's interesting to how it changes the character of that bike, the descending quality, uh, what it was before as opposed to what it is now. So it's, it's it is like along with those themes like arcing, the the character of the of the suspension on the downhills is is just different.
3: So with the bigger fork, you have to do more arcing turns.
2: Yeah, maybe. Um, more, I would have characterized it as. I think both have increased. Obviously, the maybe not obviously, but the small bump compliance of it all. But at the same time, it does decrease the, like, maybe feel of the connection with the trail mm. uh, as opposed less to trail what was feel. before. Right. Less connected feeling, less feedback. Right. More vague. Right. So sometimes good, maybe, um, just different. You know, it's funny,
3: I just had this, like, emerging kind of, like, you know what, I, th- I had never really quite, like, told this to myself, but as you were talking, I was just, like, thinking to myself, like, you know what, Pike really does, like, ask for more punishment than 34. Like, it feels more to me, just, like, more. Hmm. Might be mental.
2: Nah, well,
3: I mean, it's one millimeter more. <laughs> it
2: is one millimeter more? <laughs> yeah, but it's one more. Well, you know (laughs) what? It feels like like it holds me
3: up in the travel more. Mm -hmm. It feels like it tracks better. It feels more substantial to me, and more like less overwhelmed.
2: And I had that phenomenon the first day I had the Pike on the bike, actually, and it it just was goading me on. It's a subtle difference because the thirty four is good. It is. Don't get me wrong; that thirty four is great. Um, But you're right.
3: Uh, Almost like the difference from a Pike to a 36.
2: mm, Or at least analogous. Yes, analogous. I would say that the Pike wants to goad you on in bigger ways. And it did for me. And it it slowed the world down for me in big ways the first time I had it on the bike. That's good. It was. And then, but I was feeling very good, and I took a slightly different li- line down a very, very familiar trail, forgetting what was around the inside line instead of the outside line. I took the inside line to avoid a very soft, washed-out outside line corner. And as I came around the inside line, I had forgotten that you either need to boost the inside line or have, I don't know, maybe a little longer travel to soak up that that rock face that was on the other side. So you overreached with the tall boy. I did. Did you crash? Oh, without even hitting the brakes. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and so it was very interesting. It was it was goading me on because it really it slowed the world down for me on this trail. And it just felt so like, yeah. And then when I crashed, it was just completely without hitting the brakes.
3: So sometimes safer
2: is more dangerous. Sometimes safer is more dangerous. It, hmm. it was very interesting. I... I completely had thought this through. I knew that I knew that feature was coming up. I knew what the outside line looked like. And I said, I'm going to line up for the inside line. And I did. And I took it feeling great a lot faster and just didn't do the right last microsecond thing. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> and the worst of us. <laughs> so anyways, with that said... Man, it was awesome. But you're okay. I'm okay, and it happened in, like, the last, like, probably one minute of my ride. So Some scrapes? Scrapes. Um, scrapes and scrapes. Cool. Yeah. It was one of those things where, <laughs> because it was out t- without touching the brakes, um, I tucked, and then I tucked and rolled. And when the bike came around me, over me, the world slowed down again. And it was like, I just watched the bike in slow motion just arc over me. I love that. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, and here's here's maybe a word of advice. I was by myself. No one was with me, which was fine. I mean, maybe not. that's not the word of advice to ride by yourself. But what it allowed me to do, I spent maybe five, somewhere between five and ten minutes just gathering myself and sitting there and just kind of like, Walked through it. I like got over the adrenaline rush, and then the last minute of the trail had a couple of big features. No problem. Nice. And I think stopping to gather myself, get over that rush of crashing.
3: So, what would you say to the the uh, rider who is considering putting a pike on their Tallboy Three?
2: Let's see. So,
3: and should they do one twenty or one thirty?
2: Oh, that's very interesting. So, I went with one thirty. It did raise the bottom bracket and I did feel the difference initially. Um, I like a low front end. So I so what I did is Can I Can you define that like how many inches below your saddle or maybe maybe one inch. Okay. And so when I changed that, obviously it, it brought it closer. But what I did is I found a Bergtech offset uh, shock hardware. And when I would, which essentially shortens the eye to eye on the on your on your shock. And by doing that it brought the slackened out the head angle and dropped the bottom bracket a little bit. Uh, to back to the original kind of that feel. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it slackens out the seat angle, so. Well, it also
3: increases even more the relative bar height back up, because you're coming. The saddle comes down. Yes.
2: Yes. And so, um, I slid the saddle forward, forward, which puts me in a slightly compromised than what I'm used to, but not to me. I wasn't as sensitive to that. But anyways, with that said, I think the pike is going to increase the stiffness of the front end, um, probably increase the um, I would say this increase the stiffness is the biggest thing. Cool.
1: So one of the differences between the Fox fork and the Shock forks is the torque caps on the boost hubs. Mm-hmm. Um, did you decide to or do you have plans to get a torque capped hub?
2: Good question, Nathan. That is a great question.
3: So the torque caps for the listeners who don't know are like a wider contact, like a broader, it's a bigger, it's a, the end of the dropout is a bigger flat surface that makes more contact surface with the fork dropout.
1: Right. And to add a little bit of complexity of all our new standards, it essentially makes a um, SRAM or a, you know, shot compatible front boost hub and a Fox boot front boost hub not entirely cross compatible. You can put a, Fox on a rock shock, but you can't put a rock or you can't put a rock shock on a fox. Right, Correct. and I'm a believer in that extra contact surface thing. I've seen like phys- physical world
2: demonstrations of of it working.
1: I'm convinced the principle is sound.
2: Yeah, I agree too. And I don't have that on the set of hubs that I have right now. Might be worth it. Do I you... don't know. Does the i9 does i9 make? Um... I bet
3: they do. I'd bet dollars for donuts they do.
1: There's go. a there's a trade situation we should discuss after the show because I have one of those hubs sitting in my garage with the wrong rim.
3: Ah. <laughs> do yes. you guys hear the uh, JRA people want to have more of a
1: rivalry with us? I I've heard various jokes and and uh, comments along those lines from time. I like to, their show. From as, time Andrei, to time. as Andrea from JRA would say, bless their hearts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know. I have no feelings of rivalry. They should have a rant about us. I'd probably, I'd probably find it entertaining. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to hear that. Maybe that might get my blood pumping. I don't know, but I, I've listened to a couple of their shows, and hey, props to you guys too. I mean, props to JRA. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Is that maybe, maybe not in the spirit of like flame wars? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. If you guys,
3: if you guys at JRA come to SoCal, I'll take you for a ride. Full face Kenny. Yeah, Matt, Andrea, I listen to your show.
2: Yeah, your show. Drop by. We actually maybe if we could find time, I'd. I think we'd all love to go ride with you guys.
1: (laughs) But but before I'll even rant off the air. (laughs) 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 But before we ride, we always do uh, bounce, bounce, cutty, cutty. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're that enduro, (laughs) fanny packs all around.
2: (laughs) Anyways, um. So Tony, uh, Tony, Yes. Ta- yes. Ta- oh. should we talk about Tony's trip or this is uh, a pretty big trip for me. Oh yeah. But what were you going to mention, Nathan?
1: Oh I was just going to make a short mention. This last weekend I went up to um, so in, in SoCal there's this place called Santa's Village. Oh
2: yeah. Man.
1: And Arrow Aerobe- Arrow Bear area? It's in yes. Sky Park. I believe there is so in, in Southern California, if you're yes. familiar with the area, there's Aerobe- a in our local mountains there's a town called arrowhead and then a town called big bear big bear is where snow summit is there's lots of racing action and lots of mountain bike heritage so down the highway there's this little santa santa claus themed park like a little theme park it's been around since the 50s i went when i was a little kid apparently it's been repurchased it's been reopened it still has like a little santa claus feel to it but it's trying to be an outdoor adventure park And so there's like archery and rock climbing and a bouldering room and they're going to have ponds with fishing and there's a roller skating rink and little like four wheel bike cart path and then like little restaurants, little bike shop, like little outdoor adventure shop, with like fishing gear and things like that. And there's a pedal up bike park on the property and uh, it's pretty dang good. Man. there's a really fun jump line. It's like a 10 minute climb that gets you up to a trail hub and there's various trail hubs throughout the park, but this is kind of the main one. There's like five trails that exit from this point. Um, right now they don't it's one fee to get access to the park. it's twenty nine dollars to get in. it's ten dollars for parking but the 10 dollar parking is like a voucher for food in the park so it's like you pay the 10 dollars up front for the parking but then you get 10 dollars off your bill for food oh my gosh so it's kind of free parking but kind of not you got to you're committed to paying it but essentially it goes towards food um i'm not sure if that's normal policy or if the lady was nice to us this day but 29 bucks how does that
3: compare to a lift pay- ticket at summit
2: lift ticket at summit i think is about 50 bucks okay um man and and for 29 bucks you get all the other things like archery
1: and- so if you want to do rock climbing like let's say you're you want to take a break from riding you want to rock climb they they hand you the shoes they hook you up like you don't pay any more that's part of the fee if you want to go archery they hand you the bow and arrow and like go archering, <laughs> go archering. and uh oh and there's a uh, what do they call that? The European bungee, where it's like a trampoline and like bungees on two sides. You can like jump in. I'll p- take a
3: freedom bungee, please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, it was pretty darn cool. And uh, oh, and a season pass, which is good for 12 months from the time of purchase. So let's say you bought it now, it would go through the beginning part of next summer, is only 99 bucks, And then you get free parking time. So you're going to go part. back? I. I want to go back. Do they I have... have
3: any raw trails, or is it all like parky?
1: Uh, no, there's raw trails too. There's raw trails and skinnies and like wood features. And, and are they going like... to set up shuttles? I didn't see any plans for that. But the climb was lit... the climb was short enough that literally, like when you're done, you're like, okay, let's do one more. Like you're the climb was very low grade and easy and mellow, and it was not a hindrance to doing hmm. another run. Cool. And the jump line was really well sculpted for the speed of the course. The the jumps were big but smooth and like if you just coasted down the trail and hit the jump, like you clear the jump perfect every time. Doubles, tabletops? Uh tabletopish. Like tabletops basically. You can roll everything if you don't wanna if you don't yeah. want to send it. I think there was a couple of send ups that are step ups that you had to make one like one step up onto a bridge. Step ups are sweet. Um it was surprisingly good, and so I guess word is they are not officially cleared and certified, but they are. They're open if like their website says they're closed, but if you go, they're open for mountain biking. Mm-hmm. They're just not advertising it yet, um, because they're not fully permitted in some capacity. I don't mm-hmm. totally understand it. Maybe you just blew their cover. Eh, whatever. No, we'll it cut. says coming. Hey, it says coming soon. Okay. Okay, so it's soon enough. Coming soon. Yeah, okay. it's coming soon. Coming soon. <laughs> if you call and say, "Hey, is the bike park open?" They say, "Come on up." So, anyway, I was thoroughly impressed. It was super fun. If you're in the area and you have kids, there's like this of... is this is the perfect dual purpose, like dual sport day, right? You can bring the fam and the kids and ride, and Man. and you can take a break and play, and then go back, and
2: and apparently you can bring grandpa and grandma too because grandpa and grandma are on the website writing
1: absolutely why not oh and they do have rentals so if if you are new and you want to bring someone they they have rentals i think they have intenses nice nice and new intenses to rent my gosh um i was thoroughly impressed that is what cool, are they man. renting tracers i think tracers and primers maybe the new carbine 29 i didn't see those i saw all the we're old.
3: renting those we got those rentals
1: in nice nice bike cool man makes me want to go I, I heard there's plans to have camping on the property too, so you could go out for the weekend like camp and fish and bike and Sounds what fun. have you.
2: So anyway, I was thoroughly impressed. Anyway, on to Zurich. Well and you know, check out the website. I'm actually kind of I'm it makes me the website makes you want to go. It was. What, what's the URL? lock? dot Check out our show links. I've already got it there, so when the show gets posted, you'll 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 see it. What do they call it? Sky Park at Santa's Village. Sky Park at Santa's Village. Okay. Sky Forest, California. Connie called it Arrow Bear. It's next to Arrowhead, kind of in the right. Well, along there, there's
1: like there's Arrowhead, Arrow Bear, Running Springs, Blue Jay, Sky Park. Um... There, there's all these little like sub towns. These are just
3: communities that are all like you could almost, you know,
2: they're all right there. Right. They're, they're all yeah, they're all on your way up to Big Bear essentially. Yep. So that's that's pretty cool. If you Google a uh, Santa's Village, you're going to end up somewhere in New Hampshire. So that's not the same one. Okay. It sky might be Park. Fun. It. <laughs> <Could> <laughs> be good. Yeah. Might be weird. <laughs> <But>
1: so, <it's, laughs> so the funny thing is like they they do have like santa's cabin because you have to like walk through right. you can't ride your bike through the park you have to walk through to get to the back part where the trail starts and um they have this little like cabin thing and it's like Shh, quiet santa's sleeping like aside, and then it has like this big like dial <laughs> clock and it's like on july and it says like santa will come out and it's like at, like oh, in november man. or something <laughs> And I think they have a little audio thing. Like, if you get close to the cabin, you hear like the snoring. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> supposed to be like Santa snoring. That's awesome. I know but someone who has a timeshare up in in Arrowhead. That might be kind of cool. No. Oh, and the cool thing was the food was actually pretty good and not. It was not theme park priced food. It was like totally reasonable. Like oh. I got a like I got like lunch that was like a good sandwich and chips and a drink is like ten bucks. Whoa! So it was like totally fair price on the food. Eat, drink, and be merry. It says. Yeah. Oh, and they have a they have like, so they have a restaurant like that has like steaks and stuff, and they have a bar. Yeah, and they have um, like a coffee shop, and then like a bakery. Like they have lots of eateries. The the eateries are proportionally high for the size
2: of the property. Mm, food, food, cool, and craft beers. Yeah, dude. We gotta- you drink those, dude? I drink those a little bit. The. <laughs>
1: one thing i was really really surprised about was the the fit and finish of everything in the park like all the attention to detail and the craftsmanship was top notch wow it's like really nice like all the doors had um like so say you'd swing open a door to the bathroom right it had a stop so the door wouldn't open too far the stop was a little post with a brooks saddle mounted to it that the door would bang up against a sprung brooks saddle brooks style saddle. Whoa! So it's like that's an example of like the attention to detail. Not just attention, but um, budget.
3: Right. Because a basic doorstop's like a dollar, and the brooks saddle is like hundred dollars.
1: Right. So in the words of what, what was the guy from Jurassic Park Hammond or something? Mm-hmm. We spared no expense. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Man, that makes me want to go. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, that's that's all I got. So maybe on a little farther from home.
4: No. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. Scott had invited me out to ride the 2018 bikes at, in Switzerland at Lenzerhide. Hope I didn't blow that too bad on the pronunciation. <clears throat> um but uh it's a few hour a couple hours outside of Zurich. Um it's um a resort town in in the swiss alps and um it's amazing um, they have cows running free range through the ski resort with these cowbells on it's real enchanting <laughs> like the tone of the cowbells is real kind of special
1: needs more cowbell <laughs> um
3: a lot of table to f- a lot of like farm to table type practices going on local lo- they love everything kind of small. It's their style. Um, riding was pretty awesome. The culture at Scott Europe is, I really liked it. Um, they had a really kind of steady, kind of calm confidence, which is refreshing in this era of, like, rabid quarterly growth goals and so forth. Um they shared a philosophy a little bit. You know, the owner of the company um, talked a little bit about their philosophy, and there were some common threads with Granny from the other day. About he didn't use the term "not pushing product onto market" the way Granny has, but but he had a really similar mindset about wanting to supply the demand and create a demand, and not wanting to push a product and then push it more and more with, you know discounts and dealer incentives and you know, there's two way one way yeah you know, it's, it's just this idea so some brands really sell with by pushing product onto the market and other brands sell by trying to create a demand for their product and then su- f- supplying that demand and it's good to see that attitude um it's reassuring as a trade partner because it's sustainable and it's steady
2: cool um is uh does Scott have a U.S. headquarters as well, or yeah. how's that kind of organized? So
3: Scott USA, um, I think they might be in Utah, the U.S. headquarters, and it's kind of a dispersed workforce, I think. Um, all good people. Um, it's a good outfit, but getting that kind of – getting to see the, the kind of core values from the headquarters in Europe was definitely eye-opening.
2: So that kind of – you're thinking like that bleeds over to the US, US side of things as well.
3: It also colors, it, it, it provides um, some, some context to see the actions of the US sales department through. I
2: see. I see.
1: Cool. Um, so, what did you think of the new genius?
3: I was very impressed. Um, it's Horse Link now. Did you guys notice that?
1: Yes. I, I did see that. Yeah.
3: So the new epic is not horse link and the genius is horse link. Um
2: <laughs> Are we in Bizarro World? <laughs> we are in Bizarro World.
3: So here's some interesting things about the new genius. The claimed weight on the frame is about five pounds, which is dead light. Like almost Endless. almost like cross country race, like almost light in class for cross country race, but not right. not quite, but Um,
2: What would an Epic frame weigh, do you think? I'm just going to go
3: out on a limb and say, like, you know, four points. I think... Four and three quarters or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like 100 grams less, maybe.
2: If that, yeah. yeah. Wow.
3: Or same with, like, a Spark RC, I think, is like a... I don't know. I think I remember them saying that the Genius frame is 2,200 grams. Right. Or just over. And that's with, like, the the protective stuff that comes on it and stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: That frame, no shock
3: with shock frame with shock. Yeah. And I bet, I bet a spark RC's a hundred grams letter or so. Then that's, hey. so we got to meet Nino shorter. That was obviously
0: pretty oh, awesome. Nice. And he, he oh, talked about wow. his
3: training and they talked about, um, you know, he told, he kind of told us some stories of the different races he had done and, and, and the training and, his, and his, mindset leading up to the 2017 season, which I think is probably one of the more successful seasons any cross-country pro has had. I right. Mean, yeah. It's pretty dominating. Yeah. Um, really, really nice, humble guy, obviously really hardworking. Um, the Swiss are really sweet and just kind of direct into the point, which is, I felt like almost like, oh, I found my people. Like I really <laughs> like that style of like kind of directness and to the pointness and not not a lot of small talk. But just kindness, right? Um,
1: do you, do you have an example of that?
3: Well, I mean, like the the ultimate example is like you might walk by a stranger and 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 you might greet them with hello, and they might just keep walking and not say anything, and it, it, you almost get the impression like it's not a total diss. It's just like it's just how their mindset is. And it's kind of okay. So like so like a, an, an, like when I went surfing in Honolulu Bay and the locals gave me attitude it was like all right like i'm a part of the system like this completes the mission right like i came here to like experience surfing in honolulu bay and part of that is getting some attitude from the locals like right. if i hadn't gotten it i would have felt shorted like i didn't right. come f- i didn't get what i came for right <laughs> so so like there's an element of that to it maybe too of but um oh, another example would be well, just the way, um, even the presentation from the owner of the company. This is giant company, in it, and the presentation was just was very unedited and unscripted and short and direct, mm. and um, kind of like, I asked him what his sales goals were for the U.S. market, and his answer was that um, he thought there was a lot of opportunity in the U.S. market. But that they weren't going to force themselves on a market that doesn't want them, and they'll see what kind of demand there is. And I think some other dealers took that almost as, as um, kind of adversarial, almost. Where I took it as, oh, you're not going to flood my market with bikes and create a discounting problem. Like, good. Right. Like, you're not going to, and you're going to be able to position yourself in a way that doesn't seem hungry or desperate. Good. You know, and you're not gonna overextend yourself and push for growth. You know, basically you're gonna try to create a demand before you try to push a product. Good. You know? So
2: that's cool. Um back to the genius. Um if the genius is twenty two hundred pounds, it's twenty <laughs> T- two hundred twenty two hundred Two point two tons. Oh my god. That's like my truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gross yeah. vehicle weight. <laughs> 2,200 grams, you think, thereabouts? What is that, 4.9 pounds? I remember doing
3: the conversion and it being right about 4.9 pounds.
2: Probably. In units of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't have my calculator up. Um, Nathan's
3: doing it. 65 degree head angle on the Genius. So pretty oh, slack. Dang, right, right, right. Um, Nathan, what'd you find out?
1: On, oh, sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't oh. doing the weight. Uh, wait, uh, you said 2,200 uh, grams? Just do I remember correctly the 2,200 yeah. grams? Yeah, that's right. It's like
2: yeah. 4.8. So
1: I think it
3: was 22 and change, and I think it came out to 4.9 when yeah. I did the conversion. Yep. That's sweet. I S- hate to
2: say this, though. The Spark, the Spark SL, I suspect that's what Nino's writing. Spark RC. Uh, let's see. Uh, it is the Spark RC, yeah, Spark RC SL, 900 SL. Uh, the frame is eighteen hundred grams. Dios mio, man. Dios mio. So that's man. really light.
3: Maybe that's helping him win.
2: That is funny.
3: That's I will funny. say, like that. But twenty-two that,
2: hundred grams—that is shredding light. Yeah, for a for what that bike is for sure. So um,
3: sixty-five degree head angle is a really interesting number for that bike, being like a one forty-ish travel bike, and really light.
1: I thought it was 150. It is 150. Um, they're, they're claiming 150 on the nose. Yeah,
3: um, it's just awesome. I rode it in the bike park. Um, I I rode it in the bike. Okay, here's a let's. I need to set set something up here. Scott, you could you, this bike can be set up 29 or 27 and a half. Ask me if I mean plus. Do you mean plus? Scott doesn't say plus. Scott has stricken the word plus from their vocabulary.
2: <laughs> 29 so and the, a half is the, what they said?
3: The Genius 700, which is the same frame and the same 29 fork with a 51 mil offset, comes with 30 mil, 27 and a half inch rims, and I think a 2.8 front tire and a 2.6 rear tire, and they just call it twenty seven and a half. And I think it's more uh, wide trail than plus.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah,
3: I mean, that's... I think they're... So... There Scott is going with this idea that there's twenty seven and a half with different rim widths and different tire widths, and that right. there's no such thing as plus, and that the okay. geni- the genius can be twenty nine or twenty seven and a half plus is their position and I rode it both ways in the bike park. I liked the twenty nine better. I think I would have maybe liked the plus better if I over forked it and angle setted it and put downhill tires on it, okay, right. But it definitely struck me the difference between the 29 wanted to arc turns and the 27 and a half wanted to cut and slash turns for sure. Okay. Um, the 29 was way faster and more predictable and poppy off the jumps. There was this one like pretty decent tabletop that I, to, to kind of like step down. That I overshot so far. I thought I was going to rip the head tube off that thing. <laughs> oh, because uh, I was thinking like twenty two hundred grams in the air, like <laughs> 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 like pretty deep into this air situation. <laughs> so, so
1: it, I I see another terminology forming. Like when you when you're in a bad situation, your life flashes before your eyes, or your bike specs flash before <laughs> your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but
3: th- I'm I, the bike you're looking at on the screen there with that orange thirty six. That's the bike I was riding.
1: Okay. Um. Uh, the and what I'm looking at right now is the pink bike. Uh, it's the Scott Genius 2018 first ride that was uh, that was posted on uh, June 16th. Yeah, the suspension
3: feels really good, really predictable and controlled and plush. Um, I I don't know that I'm a fan of that 51 mil offset, and maybe I'm just like influenced by like the speed balance geometry discussions and stuff, but I did feel like I was getting some oversteer on it a little bit at times. Mm. Maybe I just need to chill out and not turn the bar so much. Um, did it have that integrated? The Hickson bar, the the handle stem or the, or the stemmel bar. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a one-piece carbon handlebar stem. I think it's a great idea. The sweep and rise felt good to me. I think some people are going to have – people who like to rotate their bars either really forward or rear ba- really back obviously aren't going to be able to do that. And they're not going to like it. But as far as, like, stiffness and weight and strength, I feel very confident that it's better than a regular stem handlebar situation. The one I rode was 760, which is just, like, barely wide enough for me to enjoy it. But right. they swear they're going to come out with one in 780, and I ordered I ordered them. I was like, I'll take one if they're 760, and I'll take
2: two if they're 780. <laughs> I think 780 is going to be the... Man, I, I've i been riding the... It's like the
3: new 22. Yeah. Remember when 22-inch bars were the number? <laughs> yeah, I, I do.
2: Well, I feel like 800 is a little wide
3: for me. 800 is past good for me, I think, as well.
1: Yeah. So, okay, this is this is one thing. I don't know if I can endorse this or not, but, okay, this is something that I've been doing, speaking of bar width, is... So I'm looking at the grips on the Scott, and the Scott are... A Lock on closed end, grip. In other words, the outer end is completely closed. It's molded in single clamp s- on the inside. Single clamp on the inside. So here's what I've been cheated out. I, I cheated out, but do I do it. I cheated out by um, I made myself a little cylinder that was you know 22.2 millimeter OD and uh, 10 millimeters thick. I it looks like a little uh, like a little uh, puck. And I drop them in the end of the grip, and I put the grip on, and I just added 10 millimeters to each side or however long I want to make this puck. Now, I personally, because of my career choice, have access to rapid prototyping capability, but you could do it with anything. I think you could just leave a gap there. You can. I don't even feel dangerous in suggesting this. So leaving the gap, here's the downside. is I think if you dump the bike onto the grip end, it might have enough force to jam it in, assuming you don't have something up against the lever. You mean
3: like have the grip move?
1: Have the grip slip mm, inward. Maybe. And uh, this also controls the depth. You don't have to measure anything. Um, That's th- a good point. I think you could, if you had an old handlebar lying around, just cut off. 10 mils of it. 10 mils, like a little 10 mil chunk, drop it in the end of the grip. There you go. So, in other words, I have no problem making this 760 bar 780. No problems. I do it. And on I do two out of most three. Most of, of the my weights on the inside of the grips, anyway. Absolutely. So i I personally do this on two out of the three mountain bikes that I have. Like on my trail bike, I had it cut. I cut it down to 750. Changed my mind. Now I'm running at 770. Wait a second. Did
2: I just hear Nathan disagree with with Tony? On what? I don't think that was a full disagree. Dang it. it was a it was Dang a yes it. and. <laughs> <laughs> Little
1: background.
3: Well, Nathan gave some good reasons why yep. the spacers would be useful, yes. despite my saying you don't really need them. Yep. Oh yeah, okay. Yep. There was
1: a there there was, was a disagree. Okay. So it was okay. a it was a potential scenario. <laughs> and I and I agree that those are good reasons. Those are good reasons. Uh, um, so I don't.
3: This is all in reference to a listener who mentioned that they feel like Nathan doesn't disagree with me ever. <laughs> Which I disagree with that. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, so anyway, if if this bike was sitting on the floor and it had seven sixty bars, I'd easily make it 780. Yeah, well, and I and even back 70. in the day when twenty nine was kind of emerging, and there weren't a lot of really
3: flat, or really wide flat bars, and a lot of people needed twenty right flat bars for their twenty nine er, we were doing this a lot. Slipping, right? slipping slip grips out. Yeah, I was doing it a lot. On my bike, on friends' bikes.
2: Right. So, so I it, noticed that this bike doesn't have a piggyback shock on it. It's got regular... Is that how they're going to spec it? Well, if it had a piggyback shock on it, it wouldn't be 2,200 grams.
3: That's with true. With a shock. Um, that is how it's specced. No piggyback shock. And there's that shock is a standard trunnion mount, standard eye-to-eye, standard stroke. So you could put a piggyback shock on there. But what you would lose is the stock shock, when you hit that lockout button switch uh, on the handlebar right. when you put that into the middle position, I don't know if you guys know, it actually shortens the air volume of the rear shock.
1: Oh,
2: interesting. Oh, so
1: it, dude, that's, that's what Cannondale is doing. Kind of. So it pops you up in the
3: travel. Mm-hmm. It still gives you good usable travel, but you'll, but you don't do any of the wallowing where you're going to get pedal strikes and where you're going to get excessive bob. It also adds a little damping. Nathan is smirking happily.
1: So here, here's why. I had this conversation recently. Scott, a long time ago, had the bike called the Ransom. And this is the only time, and I'm still ashamed of this, I backed out on a purchase from the path. So I ordered a bike and backed out of it because I ended up getting the Scott Ransom Elsewhere because it had this weird, it had the, the thing called the equalizer shock that Scott did, and this right. this is
3: the same idea all in one air can basically.
1: Correct, and the equalizer shock has the the guy. It's my understanding that the guy who's worked on the equalizer shock has gone to Cannondale. And so this thing has taken different forms. So there was the Scott, the sh- the Scott equalizer shock that. Took Which was two air cans that you would switch back and forth with the switch of a lever. Right, but it looked like a coilover shock with no spring on it. And you had to run crazy high pressures. I'm talking like 600 psi Whoa. in the standpoint. Because neither air can was that big. They even were though very, one was bigger than the other. They were very small, and you had to control the negative. Um, to equally high pressure. Spe- I think there was a special shock pump for it. There was a special shock pump for it. it, it you had- can't smoke around it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was highly dangerous. And uh, and man, you had to lean on that pump to get that thing aired up. And so there was that, and then that evolved. there was various versions of that with Scott, including pull versions. And then there was the Cannondale Jekyll pull version, the Fox Dyad shock. And now Cannondale's finally evolved to something that looks like a float x with some kind of head control but i'm it's sounding like
3: created not evolved
1: right so it sounds like they put that (laughs) they now put that technology in this and uh so that's one thing that i'm always intrigued by is rear suspension that truly changes not just damping but something about the spring distance rate so you like this so you're happy it tickles it's my a, fancy. It's a check in the right. It's a check in the rea- boxes on the correct side. I like. I like this kind of stuff.
3: I honestly think if you rode this bike, you'd be impressed. I'm not saying it would be the bike for you or, or wouldn't, but I think you'd be impressed. And if um, I remember the reach, the reach is the right number, go ahead, Ock. Nope, not at all. Go for it. Um, the reach is the right number. The chain stays are in range. Bottom brackets a couple tenths high for Ock in my taste. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it didn't ride extra high to me. Um the very, the kind folks at Scott suggested that more than suggested, they asked they told us in a nice way. They told us not to ride the bikes down the Lenserhide World Cup course. How come? Well, because as they put it, the equipment isn't designed for that. Because we're mm-hmm. riding geniuses and it's not a downhill bike. And I also imagine that they wanted to protect us from ourselves. Right. So when I rode down it, I made sure that I wasn't going to get, like, cl- cleaned up <laughs> off of it or anything. <laughs> so, so so if anyone from Scott is listening, I sincerely apologize, but it's been a, f- a long-standing, like, bucket list thing of mine to see a world, a downhill World Cup course in person, and I just wasn't going to come that close and not do it. And <laughs> I didn't hurt your bike, and I didn't hurt myself, and I didn't crash, so everything's
2: good, right? No harm, no foul.
3: That's right. um, <laughs> well, and,
2: and <clears throat> okay, not to rub salt in that wound, but um, what was it like on the? What was the so, the um,
3: I didn't hit any uh, the the all of the big plank drops or all the plank drops were were closed off with signs and 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 stuff for even the regular because if you were a person that day who rode in the bike park you were allowed to ride the course but there were a few features that were closed off which those features were big but not i think any of us would maybe hit them if we had ridden a couple, a day of downhill and had our full downhill gear and a downhill bike right like i was not wearing knee pads i was clipped in i was in a half shell like so i would have on my on a So I was riding it it very carefully and defensively for for all these various reasons. Um, There were a lot of kind of just very high speed sections, almost like Canyon Nation Curse single track off the brake, reminiscent, you know? Mm Right. But then, like, then, then like, some gnarly stuff that it comes into and out of. Right. Um, There was a really good rock garden that. I think you guys would ride it, but it would be, like, one of those, like, stop and look at it things. Whoa. Right. Um, I I rode it, and then I walked. The, there's, like, a little, like, three-foot huck at the bottom that lands in, like, steep nastiness, and it just didn't seem right to do it on single-ply tires and then <laughs> that particular <laughs> set of situation that I've already described. Right? <laughs> so I walked that section. Um, there was also the really – for people who watched this course on – or who watched the race on Red Bull TV, mm-hmm. they might remember the rock section that's towards the top of the course. And then towards the middle of the course, there's that root section. Yes. That's super sketchy. Yeah, um, It was all I could do to just tripod down that safely. Um, I think on a, even on a downhill bike with knee pads and, and a full face, it might take some – like, there's a lot of different lines down it. So, like, maybe I could find a line that seems safe, but, like, the it's speed. definitely sketch.
2: And the really. speeds that those guys are coming down it on. the Oh, dear. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and then, like, the size, too, of, like, you know, that tabletop over the bridge, for example. yeah. yeah. Like if you just kind of ride up to it fast and kind of absorb the takeoff and ride across the bridge, like you're riding across that bridge for a little while. Like it's a big <laughs>
2: <laughs> And these guys aren't even
3: touching it. Right. And oh, that's man. not even a feature. That's like a That's not that's the like feature. That's like where you take your that that's where like if back in the day if you had tear offs where you'd take take them off, like <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, so yeah, man.
3: definitely props to the big the big dogs who run that stuff fall out and um, definitely um, really gratifying for me to be able to finally lay eyes on something like that.
2: Uh, and really um, – Glad I could live vicariously through you tonight. Props to the genius for like – Handling it. For
3: – While I was riding down that course, at no point was I like, oh, man, this bike is horrible. Like – it was as much like, it was just as much like my me my skill set the lack of equipment and the warning from scott holding me back as the bike like if there was one thing on the bike that i felt wasn't up to the course it was the tires right not okay. the,
2: like had you put double downs or something like that on it or
3: i would say that right i would say that with dual ply tires and a full face and flat pedals I'd ride that bike down that course and maybe have some fun on most of the sections and still be really scared. But, like, it would feel – it wouldn't be a downhill bike, but I would feel like, oh, like, this isn't a stupid bike to ride here.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. Well, I mean, all the geometry about it says – affirms what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's 150, 150, 29er, I mean, everything about it, right? Right. It's that like head, head angle. I do like that color scheme. I, it's I, a good-looking bike.
3: Well, it's <laughs> they've cleaned up the routing of all the rat's nest from the twin lock or whatever they call mm. it too.
1: Oh, nice! Right, because they have two extra cables coming out—one
2: to the fork and one to one to the rear shock It's under the bar now. Okay. So that twin lock in one fell swoop, you lock out the rear and the, or you change the change the characteristics so of the rear shock and in the and
3: middle the fork. position you get um increased damping and on the rear shock you get a, a drastically picture like if you added a bunch of volume spacers right okay and on the f- and then in the all the way closed position it's basically a lockout
1: nice it, i'm looking at the picture on pink bike and it looks like the the lever assembly the dropper lever and shock control lever is all one mount that's integrated on the grip clamp
3: i think it is one clamp yeah it
1: looks it looks really Clean and integrated. Yeah, for I mean I will say
3: there were times when I reached for my dropper post and found that lockout lever because I'm used to having a dropper post lever there.
1: But right, right. So the shot controls are under bar and the uh, and the dropper control is above bar.
3: That Fox dropper feels good though. I hadn't ridden one of those much before.
1: Yeah, I, I have one. I've been happy with it. And the clamp, you know, probably not something you dealt with, but the clamp design's good. It's very reminiscent of a Thompson clamp.
3: Yeah. And now they're coming with underbar levers too, the Fox droppers are now. Uh
1: yeah, the one that I got is underbar levers. For a while they
3: were coming with like a really awkward lever.
1: Uh yeah. So the transfer so when they release the transfer, you could always get the underbar lever. Mm. Although I use the wolf tooth lever because it's rad. Yeah, that thing's <laughs> sweet. <laughs> it's got a
2: bearing. A big bearing. How, have you tried the uh the Rock uh new lever as well? They call it the 1X. The 1X. Those are back Thank in you. stock. We were sold out on those for a while. I
1: personally have not, but I've felt it. Um, I've, well, I've parking lotted it. And it feels great.
2: I have ridden that on. I borrowed Tani's Nomad, and it had a 1X, and it is cool. Your Nomad doesn't? It does. I haven't ridden my Nomad. Oh. <laughs> Except for oh. the parking lot. I, I did to, not know that. I, I meant to ride it this morning, and I didn't wake up. Maybe
3: we'll ride Nomads tomorrow. Ooh, yeah. Play Nomad.
1: Can. <laughs> Karen cannot come out and play
4: <laughs> Ooh, yeah. what are you
1: doing we're playing nomads
2: <laughs> it's kind of like nerf battle but yeah. <laughs> kids what are you doing
1: cops
4: and robbers adults what are you doing nomads
3: <laughs> so yeah I don't know I ordered a bunch of spark RC's and a bunch of geniuses and I ordered a, a couple e-sparks oh Ooh. Which look really good.
1: I saw there was e geniuses. E geniuses are.
3: This is an interesting conversation. E geniuses are n- probably not going to be distributed in the U.S., but I think I'm working on a deal to get the path to be kind of the test case for U.S. E genius in other words send us 2 or 3 of them and let us see how the market reacts to them and like see if it causes problems with the local trails and
1: so uh, is is Scott hesitant about e-bikes in the US due to trail access issues particularly the e-genius makes sense okay i
3: think that um this is no different than Rocky Mountain or Giant everyone in the industry despite what a lot of people thinks actually really cares about biking and and trails and there's a a lot in in europe in europe a lot of these brands have a hard-hitting enduro style e-bike right they're not and they're already making them it would be easy for them to sell them to send them to the u.s and they they just don't feel them quote unquote and this is
1: they must all be talking to each other because like they even say that like they just don't feel our market's ready so when, when you say they're ready for the U.S., is there different regulations on the motors and the speed for the U.S. versus you, the U.S.? So no, I think it, it's a is, user group perception thing. Well, but you were saying that they're ready to ship to the U.S., like meaning are they specced or something? No, no. They don't oh. think the U.S. market
3: is ready for oh, a, a product it. like that. But it's the
1: same product.
3: Right. They just don't think we're – like they're concerned that it would cause problems in our marketplace.
1: You're going to shoot your eye out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
3: So, we might we might get some E-geniuses which I think would be really cool. They also had some really cool gear that we might bring in for US ex- like they're not actually officially distributing in the US, but if we ask them to they'll put it in a container. It's like a it's a really lightweight jacket that holds a bladder and fits pretty tight and also has a po- has pockets for like a cell phone and a tool and Ooh, a pump. Cool. And has a removable spine protector and a removable shoulder guards. Oh, and did yeah. I mention it can hold a bladder? Yeah. That's pretty rad. And
1: it seems like it breathes really well. Can like, you zip off the sleeves and make it a it's vest? It's sleeveless. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, dang. Nice. So that's very Moto stuff. Some of the Moto companies have made these like vest hydration yeah. pack things. So I think I might get one of those. Is a cell phone can... pocket on the front and accessible? It's in the back. Oh, see, I'm thinking vest with a cell phone pocket in the front. The front is just pure mesh. Uh oh. Breathable. Nice,
2: Ooh. I if like no, it. No shirt under that. Just kidding. Sorry. So there. <laughs> well, if you did it, I'd watch. Oh my god. <laughs> Speaking
1: of funky Euro products, I forgot what this was. It's some weird, odd Euro product that I found online that you can conceivably could get. It was a shorts and jacket onesie <laughs> plus hood for wet weather riding and bike parks. It was, was. It was kind of cool. And we had a like a romper. It was, yes. It was awesome. I, but from, you know, rompers are like the new man bun.
3: Dudes wear them? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like dudes with man buns and beards wear romper, like plaid
1: rompers. So are plaid rompers? It's a, they don't have
3: to be plaid. That was the plaid part was for effect.
1: It's a onesie of shorts. Right. Okay. And they're pretty short shorts, too. Yeah, these weren't short.
3: These were for bike Oc, riding. You're right, Auk. The face you just made—that was—I <laughs> was, agree.
1: <laughs> well, I was just interested in a, in a water-resistant onesie jacket thing for wet weather riding. Mm-hmm. You gonna wear some? I'm uh, gonna d- wear
2: my wrestling singlet underneath.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just I just didn't want mud down my shorts. Well, if you wore a singlet underneath, <laughs> you wouldn't get. You could, and it wouldn't be no problem. <laughs> So should we maybe f- end
3: with s- end talking about Zurich with some some uh,
1: oh never mind. Wait before we move on, you, were you going to teach us like a Swedish drinking song or something? Or a, a, a Swiss drinking song? I'm but... sure
3: I learned some, but I think I might have lost some time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so you mentioned you're going to bring that sp- the spark in The eSpark, yeah. Are you and, bringing and Spark RC? What? Go ahead. the, the Spark RC. Dude, the geometry on that's pretty sweet. Well, we brought in a bunch
3: of those this year and sold them all, Spark RCs. That was our go-to XC bike for the year.
2: Yeah, dude. Have you? I mean, 68 and a half de, on a medium, 68 and a half degree head angle. Um, bottom bracket, height, okay, so drop is 50.5 millimeters. Substantial. Substantial. Oops. So the height on that would convert to Barbarian units, 12.6 inches. 12.6 inches. If it's, it's good
4: enough like for
3: me, hey, it's kind of like a Hey-Hey that has full XC cred.
2: And the the reach on it is 429 and a half. That's almost one on process. Yeah, on a medium. On a medium. What's a large? 456, 457.
1: Yeah, a hey is hey is like 455.
2: And the chainstay is 435, 17.1. Man. Well, and
3: Nino Shorter won the Olympics and dominated the USA World Cup and some crazy endurance racing. If it's good South enough Africa. for Nino,
1: it's good enough for me. On this same bike, yeah,
3: that's his bike. Yeah.
1: The twenty nine or the twenty Twenty nine. Okay,
3: Spark RC nine hundred. Okay, because I think so. We brought in it... about a dozen of those. Sold every single one. Sold a couple of race team members. It's that. That's the bike that people. That is probably the bike that people come in and say, "I broke all my Strava records after they buy it." If there's a bike, if there, if you want to go break all your Strava records,
2: go get that. That's the bike to get. Nice, no dropper post.
3: And that's where the hundred mil fork. Those numbers Ock was shouting out, I yeah. believe. Yep,
2: yep, hundred mil fork. Uh, let's see. Does it have the dual lockout setup? Yep, yep. hundred seventy lockout, twin lock below the bar remote.
3: The top shelf version's about
2: you know under twenty two
3: pounds or something. Wow, yeah.
2: sweet! What's retail on that? Ten grand. <laughs> <laughs> it is twenty one point six pounds. Yeah, and
1: Nino did win on it, and <laughs> Nino, <did laughs> Nino won everything on it. Do you want to win everything, or do you not? Go home. <laughs> Ten grand. <laughs> Ten grand. Check this bike out. Go home.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Does winning everything have a price on it? Really? Come on. You Seriously. can
3: get a GX Eagle aluminum bike with nice parts for like thirty four hundred bucks. I think
1: it's uh, not too bad, but oh. you're not a winner.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well. So,
3: did you get all
2: the different models?
3: Um, th- there was one model we skipped. It's the second from the t- bottom, all right? Yeah, I felt like that model didn't quite talk to our customer yep. at-, at the price point, especially with the one down from it being GX Eagle. So that one's not GX. So there's a GX Eagle bike which we ordered, if I remember correctly, and then the next one up seemed like kind of a downgrade to in a lot of our cut like what for what a lot of our customers are looking for and more money, right? And then, but we ordered of the five or six Spark RC 900 models, we ordered all but one in medium, large, and extra large. That's impressive. And then in the geniuses in the in the Genius 900 models, same pattern. And then we ordered some Genius 700s as well, especially in smaller sizes. Dang. Small and medium and large. I think the Genius 700s are going to be hot, too. Six, You know, 27.5-inch wheels, 150 travel, super light.
1: It's kind of specced out similarly to that new Pivot, the 5.5.
3: It is... It is... Similar to that spec.
1: With the chunky tires?
3: Right. And it's a similar take on 27.5, although that Pivot can't run a 29. Ah. And it doesn't And the Pivot doesn't have that funky 51 mil offset fork on it.
1: Okay.
2: So, sorry, I'm still like, I'm kind of geeking out that
1: on That 5.5
3: 5
2: is a cool bike. That 5.5 5 is a cool bike. I was looking at that. Um Sorry, can I geek out a little bit more on the Spark? Please. Okay, so... The Scott Spark 900 Ultimate. RC Ultimate, right? Uh, This is just the 900 Ultimate. Okay, so if
3: it doesn't say RC, we're talking about a 120 travel frame. That is right.
2: So the RC is 100? Yeah. So this 120 travel version, it's got the twin lock. It's 120 mil of travel on the front and the rear. It comes with a dropper post. Um, Same frame, I think.
3: Well, it's a 120 travel. It's a different. You're frame. right. You're right. Sorry, it's a very similar looking frame. Very
2: similar looking frame. Um, I rode the demo bike. We had that as a demo bike this year. I rode it at Oaks because that that bike weighs in at a at a very chunky 24.25 dropper post and everything. I mean, 24.25 pounds. That's like XC. So I
3: see that for someone who wants like. They're going to do some Xterras. Like, it's someone who wants uh, cross-country light, cross-country weight, but they want more comfort. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's still, to me, the RC is almost more rippable. It's just, it's just about as rippable, like yeah. the same geo without as much, like, suspension mo- motion. Yeah. um, But that bike's, like, the comfortable version of the RC to me. You know, it's
2: that bike is taking aim squarely at the tall boy. I don't think so. I mean, the 120?
3: To me, having ridden them both, it's a very different ride and a very different riding fantasy. Really. So the Tallboy, I feel like... So that that 120, the Spark, not RC, the 120 Travel Spark, it is clearly a lighter and more efficient climbing bike than the Tallboy when you ride it.
2: Ah, interesting.
3: And it is clearly... How do I phrase this? I felt like a goon more often on it. In other words, it, it... it was fast and I could get through everything real good. Right. But I found myself feeling like I knew I looked like a jackass. <laughs> you know, where the tall boy would set me up for success in terms of like having flow and style and smoothness. And that bike set me up for speed, but not necessarily like flow and style. Wow. What would and you? Par- the suspension motion is—it has that flex stay suspension, right. which I feel the longer the travel gets, the more the the downside of that suspension style shows its right. face. Sure, um, it the way the suspension worked in like G-outs and transitions from descents to climbing, for example, mm-hmm. made me feel clumsy or something. I felt I just didn't feel smooth as a, where on a, on a tall boy I might feel kind of smooth and confident on that bike. I felt maybe a little clumsy and awkward sometimes.
2: Interesting. That is interesting because the numbers on the geometry are very similar. Yeah, totally. It's all, to me, it was mostly in the suspension, suspension, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. And also,
3: yeah, probably mostly in the suspension. And some of it might even have been, like, in the bar width.
2: Mm, Right. Right. So anyways, that's pretty cool.
3: But I'll tell you what, you want to go, like, get some Strava records at Oaks? Like, it didn't feel like it was slowing me down. It, right. It, you know, like,
2: it was fast. It was light, and it was snappy. Right. Rolled really good, accelerated really good. But, heck, maybe if you got the uh, RC version of it, you might be even faster uphill not that much slower downhill. Yeah. S- yeah. It
3: will, and, like, it's interesting because I feel like the bike we sell that the RC compares to is the new Anthem 29. Right. Which is a bitchin' bike, and I've ridden that, too. And I feel like both of them are, like, like a good, solid, like, justifiable, like, differentiatingly faster than a Tallboy on flats and climbs. You know? Especially the new right. t- the current Tallboy. Um, and both are differentiatingly a little more XC. The Anthem, I feel like, has really good suspension. But I suspect that for just all-out speed, it's the Spark
2: RC. Got it. Well, Nino's wanted everything on it.
3: I felt, I felt like the anthem, particularly suspension-wise, was a, was a little more my style. The spark, I think, had a little bit more my style geometry, mm-hmm. and so man, and the sparks, I think, a little lighter. Yeah, I believe that. Although the anthem's dead,
2: I think the top shelf anthem's going to be right about twenty two pounds also. Yeah, but it's going to have a 12.6-inch bottom bracket with the miles of travel. That is crazy. That's like Santa Cruz true height. Very nice. (laughs) It is very nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so anyways, I digress. Pivot 5.5.
3: Bike suite, too. We should talk about that (laughs) later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about, if you guys don't mind, kind of an awkward segue. I wanted to talk about... I don't know. You guys have any more questions about Switzerland? No, not no. awkward at all. No, that was cool. I drank all their beer. <laughs> um, all of the beer. <laughs> all? <laughs> all of it. Um, <laughs> They're dry. I really, you know what? Thanks to Scott Bikes um, and the crew for great hospitality and great food and great bike riding and, it, like, incredible scenery. I'll never forget. Um, A couple of the posts you had were amazing. And I'd also like to give a shout-out to some of the friends I made over there. Um, met a lot of cool people from a lot of cool bike shops. Hey, that's fantastic. Um, moving along to kind of a um, a teaser, we are going to have a guest that I am, again, very excited about. Another guest guest that I've been chasing. Um, and a guest that was a childhood hero of mine growing up skateboarding. We're... Gonna have Rob Roskopp on the show here soon.
4: Oh, dang!
3: Um, founder of Santa Cruz Bicycles, um, ex pro skateboarder, and kind of the, for lack of a better word, kind of like the, I think he ran the syndicate and traveled everywhere with them, and was kind of the, the, team dad, so to speak, of the syndicate, and ripping rider. Um, still has that kind of pro-athlete DNA in his riding style. Um, So I think it's going to be really fun to have him on the show, and I think we're going to hear some really cool stories about, you know, the early days and the founding values of Santa Cruz, and then some really cool stories about the syndicate and traveling with the syndicate and and the decisions that drive all the stuff that goes on with their equipment and everything. I think he's basically the syndicate team manager. Um, And then... The reason I bring it up is I wanted to try something a little different and throw out the opportunity for you guys to send us email an, an email to podcast at the dot com your questions that you want us to ask Rob oh cool
1: nice and we'll we'll yep we'll watch the email and try to get those questions in right? so
3: we'll ignore all those questions, but you should
1: send them <laughs> 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 if we don't like them, we're not asking. <laughs> In all seriousness, I bet there are some
3: really cool questions that our listeners could come up with, and I think it's going to make it a better show if um, our listeners can participate and help us come up with. Or, or you know, tell us what it is that you want to hear because um, everyone's got different different um, questions and perspectives, and it would be cool to get, get some feedback and some input from you guys.
2: Yeah, completely. And, you know, two different approaches to prepping for interviews and what have you, you know. Um, if you even Googled, like, Rob, Ross Kopp, R-O-S-K-O-P-P, R-O-S-K-O-P-P uh, interviews, you'll come up with a few pretty recent ones, um, Pink Bike, Bike Magazine, um, and, and others. Uh, you know, give you a little background on on Rob, and, you know, you might follow up with some questions from there. Or, like Tani said, you know, like, <laughs> you could um, shoot from the hip as well. So, email us some questions if you've got them. Um, the Path Podcast. And um, podcast at thepathbikeshop.com. Right, sorry about that. Yep. Podcast at thepathbikeshop.com. And uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get those on the air. So, interview with Rob Roskop coming up. We're all looking forward to it. Uh, Santa Cruz, as you all know, uh, we, we really appreciate their bikes and their and that company and what they're about so looking forward to it
3: cool thanks awesome did i tell you guys again kind of an awkward segue did i tell you guys about the formula i heard about for establishing base tire pressure no this was one of those things where someone said it it was a dealer at the scott camp i can't even remember which one and i was like that's weird and i kind of calculated out and saw if it worked for me i was like oh it kind of does And it just kind of, as like, you know, that would be something I bet a lot of our listeners could use because we all, I always get asked in the shop and we've been asked on the show, like, optimal tire pressure. What's optimal tire pressure? So here's a formula to try rider weight divided by seven, plus two for the rear tire, minus
1: one for the front tire. Oh, okay. So
2: rider weight divided by seven. So, for example, if you weigh 165 pounds, just saying, and you divide that by seven, you end up at 23.6 pounds. Plus two for the front, you'd be at 25. Plus and a One half. for the front, two for the rear. Sorry, oh, I'm sorry. Wait. Plus
3: two for the rear and minus one for the front.
2: So I'd be at
1: like 20. 25 25.6 and in the
3: rear, 22.6 in the front. That's pretty good. That's not far off from probably what we all run at about
2: 165 pounds. We would all run basically the same tire
1: <laughs> pressure. Yeah, I'd be running about 25-22.
3: Yeah.
4: And uh, I run 25-25. And for
3: me, this ranges a lot on terrain and um, casing thickness and volume. and rip, but, but that being said, I'm sure that there have been many times where I ran about 26 in the front and about 22 in the back. And it, on narrower tires with thinner casings, I might run a little more. On like a huge DH tire with a really thick casing, I might run a little less, especially if there's not a lot of sharp rocks on the course. like. So, yeah, I thought that was, as far as just a a, a good starting point for a lot of people, it seems kind of pretty right on. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that is. I, I think I run about 25 to 26. In the rear? Both.
3: Both. You don't run less in the front than the rear?
2: Um maybe yeah that's true so maybe like 24 25
3: I definitely run less like quite a bit less on the front than the rear Yeah that's
1: um it seems like a good starting point Yeah
3: So, so what's I think it's it I think it's a rule of thumb that Stan Snowtubes Tubes came up with from what I understand
2: Oh okay that makes sense He's so... a weirdo like that <laughs> Formula based <laughs> So rider weight divided by 7 plus 2 for the back, minus one for the front. Correct. That is pretty cool. And especially now running the reserve rims from Santa Cruz. <laughs> Break them. <laughs> you don't have to worry about breaking them. Yeah, exactly. Well, you still might miss a ride. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. That is true. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Especially if it happens in the middle of Sedona. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Although, s- did you see that... Um, there was a an article was it in pink bike or vital that they long term tested some chinese rims, I think light cycles light bicycles, light bicycles um they're sounds familiar, it was very recent, okay, and they've been riding them for I think two years or a year, huh, and they're super impressed, they say so We've built a fair amount of
3: Chinese rims from light bicycles and other Chinese ma- suppliers yep. for our customers. A lot of shops refuse to do that. We don't hesitate. Um, we give a little bit of a warning that we don't. We can't quantify the value of the rim and blah, blah, blah. But I would say overall our customers have had good, really good results with that. Yeah. Um, I think that it's kind of like – I think this was kind of alluded to on the Joe Granny podcast, where the rim is as strong as its weakest point. You know, and if there's a gap somewhere in that rim, then that particular rim at, at that particular point isn't that strong. And the difference, a, a, a thing that Santa Cruz is pushing is this idea that the difference between a really great rim and um, a so-so rim isn't so much. The strength at the highest point, or the strength on the co- high, on the best example, but the strength at the worst point on the worst example. Yes, right. And I think that's where you might see a little tiny bit less. But man, if the price of those carbon rims from China, if you've if, if you had a little extra time, you could get two or three of them. And if one of
1: them is bad, you're still going to win. So i I've used the Nexty ones, and I cracked one. And they were very good about the warranty. I just had to pay shipping for a new one. Which wasn't was, too bad. Uh, the shipping from China is 50 bucks on a rim. But it was 50 bucks for a new carbon rim. And I I sent them a picture of the crack. And they're like, we send you rim very quickly. <laughs> uh, like...
2: Yeah, I got it in a week. You racist. <laughs> and he's not even kidding about the email, I'm sure. <laughs> no, it, Probably it was exactly what they said. Pretty much.
1: But they were they were responsive, they were quick. I mean, obviously I left the we off, too. <laughs> <laughs> Send <the> rim quickly. <laughs> <laughs> they uh they sent me the rim. I laced up a new one and I was I was pretty happy with it. That's and, cool. But I mean and I actually think I cracked that rim once and then I was procrastinating on lacing up the new one because they just sent me the new one. I was like, I'll get to it. I cracked it again. So I cracked it in two spots. I was like, probably time to change it.
3: Did you ride the next one for a while, the, the replacement rim for a while too?
1: I ended up selling that wheel set. Did you lose a little mental confidence? No. I, you know what? It was... Was that the 40 mil wide rim that they you... They were 40s and I, thought, I felt like I had overshot it and I was... I think you hadn't. I probably hadn't I could probably have kept that wheel set at this point but uh I think I well, got you just a p- disagreed with me <laughs> <I did. laughs> 40 uh, is pretty wide 40 was pretty wide I had no problems with the rims I think just at the time what I needed y- You know why I sold it cuz at the time I was doing a lot of traveling races and I didn't want to travel with carbon rims Hmm I I was more comfortable traveling with aluminum DT471 rims, and I didn't want to tear the wheels down and then scrap the rims. I I basically decided at the selling point I'd sell the whole wheel as is, pocket the money, save that for later if I wanted to rebuild another a new wheel set. So, but no problems, no no issues with it.
3: Cool,
2: cool. So uh, um. I posted the the link to the – it was on Vital MTB, the light bicycle heavy-duty carbon rim long-term test. They did test a 26-inch rim on a trek, Trek downhill bike, and they're very impressed with it. So anyways, you can check out the show notes link on it and take Nathan's kind of review for what it's worth.
1: Uh, I had
4: the medium weight worth once. a lot <laughs>
1: it is worth it is worth a lot <laughs> i I ran the medium there there when i I remember when I ordered it, there were three weight like heavy like light duty medium duty heavy duty mm-hmm. choices I had the medium duty,
2: yeah, so according to this review the the heavy duty 29ers weigh five fifteen five hundred and fifteen grams per uh rim they External width, internal width is thirty one point six. So that's kind of where a lot of rims are right now. Right. So uh, there is a r- max rider weight on the twenty six inch carbon rims. It's three hundred and forty two pounds. So take that. That's precise. Take that for per rim or per human. <laughs> that's per human. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, <laughs> I've been going to Knots recently. I got an annual pass there, and they. Um, they have this warning on all the rides, on the, all the big roller coasters, and they say, "What do they say? Guests of exceptional size." So there's a warning of guests of exceptional size. So guests of exceptional size, you might be pushing the limits on the uh, on these r- carbon rims.
3: All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> How
2: far in are we? <laughs> we're pretty far in.
3: One twenty-three. Oh, uh, we're deep. you guys want to talk about anything else
2: let me see i i think i'm good for now yeah man i can't we're an hour and 23 in all right all
3: right for nathan and ack this is tawny saying love the bike you ride